Hi, Patriots. Welcome back to the Growing Patriot Podcast. I'm Amelia Hamilton. When we left off, Britain had just passed a whole bunch of taxes on the colonies, and the colonists were really upset about it. This week, we're going to find out what they did about it and what happened next. Hi, I'm Noah. I'm from Arizona. Today, we're going to talk about the First Continental Congress. When did the First Continental Congress take place? Who was in charge of the First Continental Congress? Where was the First Continental Congress? Those are great questions, and we have the perfect expert here this week to answer them. My name is uh, Park Ranger Adam Duncan. Um, I'm a National Park Service Ranger. As a National Park Service Ranger, um, there's a lot of things that we do, uh, and it depends on our individual jobs. There are park rangers that do a lot of law enforcement, like police officers. There's park rangers that are biologists, so if you go to the wilderness parks like Yellowstone, Yosemite, they mostly deal with animals. And then there's also what we would call interpretive park rangers. They're the park rangers that usually give the programs to the public that tell the story of the resource. Okay, and that's what you do. I do that, and I also work in public affairs as well. So I deal a lot with uh, uh, media inquiries, interviews, things like that. And and which park are you at? I work at Independence National Historical Park, which is a uh, 55 plus acres in Old City, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we cover buildings such as Independence Hall, the Liberty Bell Center is part of um, uh, the buildings that uh, we operate to the public. The former capital of the United States we call Congress Hall. It's where the first five Congresses met, and it's also where George Washington was inaugurated for his second term. Uh, and John Adams, President John Adams, was inaugurated for his only term as president. Uh, we also include the site of uh, the, the former home of uh, Dr. Benjamin Franklin. Unfortunately, his house was torn down. But uh, we tell the story of... Dr. Franklin and his role in the American Revolution here in the park as well. Great, and that's why you are perfect for today, for the First Continental Congress. Great, yeah, and part of our park is the meeting place of the First Continental Congress, so it's uh, absolutely perfect. Okay, great. Um, So the first question we had today was, was when did the First Continental Congress take place? The First Continental Congress took place in a very short amount of time in 1774. Essentially, it took place uh, from September 5th to October 26th of 1774. Okay. So how did we get from, in our last episode, we talked about the Intolerable Acts. How did we get from that to the Continental Congress? Well, the uh, Intolerable Acts, or they would have been called uh, the Coercive Acts by sure. the British, uh, really kind of set the stage. They're the, uh, the First Continental Congress is the culmination of a series of acts, starting all the way back to the Stamp Act uh, in 1765. Uh, so all these things, especially in 1774, you know, a lot of the Intolerable Acts were to address the Boston Tea Party, the Boston Massacre, 
um, and several other events that would take place in Massachusetts. That's kind of what thrusts the American colonies to meet together to talk about these acts and what the British government were doing to the people of the colonies. You know, one of the, the acts actually applies to all the colonies, whereas most of the intoler intolerable acts only apply to Massachusetts. Uh, and that is the quartering act. Quartering Act. The Quartering Act basically amends the same act from 1765, changing it from uh, requiring British troops to occupy um, private occupied buildings, public buildings. So it would extend to private homes. If you were a private citizen, you had to take in a British soldier if they wanted to live in your house. Uh, they had that, that priority over your dwelling. Uh, all these things scared a lot of the colonies of what was going on. Mm -hmm. uh, so they decided it was time to talk uh, to each other uh, and also um, talk about what's going on and ultimately uh, kind of get a plan of action. You know, when the first Continental Congress came together, they all didn't have the same instructions. Mm -hmm. um, it varied. Uh, mostly it was, for the first couple of weeks, a series of debates of what was going on and conversations. Uh, of what was going on in Massachusetts uh, and in some instances elsewhere, but it was predominantly focused on Massachusetts and how it could be spread throughout the rest of the colonies. Okay, so where did this Congress take place? The First Continental Congress, and I always call it that, sometimes you'll hear historians call it the Continental Congress, and that would be a correct statement, but I always like to distinguish between the first meeting and the second meeting, the second Continental Congress are the ones responsible ultimately for the Declaration of Independence in 1776, yeah. meeting in Independence Hall. But prior to that, the first Continental Congress would have met just a block away in a building called Carpenter's Hall. Okay, and how, how did they pick a location? Well, they picked a location predominantly because the Independence Hall we call, that's a nickname for the building. It's actually called the Pennsylvania State House. It kind of tells you what the building was used for. Mm -hmm. It was uh, home to the um, Pennsylvania Assembly, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, and also the governor of Pennsylvania. Uh, that building was, at that point, in very active use. So it was decided uh, the Carpenters Company offered their building, their new hall, uh, the Carpenter's Hall, um, to the delegates for their meeting place, and, and that's where they decided to meet. Was Pennsylvania just seen as kind of a central location? Yeah, we call it the Keystone State because yeah. just like a in a builder's arc, you know, that Keystone is the center stone and it holds everything else together. Well, Pennsylvania was the central uh, point between the American colonies from, you know, all the way up in Massachusetts Bay, all the way down to um, Georgia. So it's really the, the center point for all the delegates to travel to. Yeah. It seems like this is a pretty important point that everybody is coming together now rather than, than seeing themselves as separate colonies. Certainly because of the, the, what took place, the conversations at the First Continental Congress, um, we became more united as uh, one nation, although we weren't really calling ourselves a nation yet. But a lot of the states or a lot of the colonies, they were used to acting independently. They really didn't talk to each other that much. It's because of their conversations at the First Continental Congress that that changes. In fact, 
very famous guy by the name of Patrick Henry of Virginia. He gives a speech there, and during his speech he says, I am not a Virginian, but an American. Uh, and that's really the, the first time uh, they, they voice that, uh, is there at the First Continental Congress. And that's pretty special, uh, because now they're no longer looking at themselves as being from Pennsylvania or being from Virginia or being from Massachusetts. They're looking at themselves as being from America. Yeah. Um, is this, do you think that the king or anyone back in Britain heard about this Congress? How did that go over? Well, certainly they didn't hear about it initially. You know, um, news took a little while to travel, uh, sometimes up to six weeks, depending on the, the uh, winds uh, crossing the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Uh, but the, Pens the first, first Continental Congress actually sent a petition to the king. Uh, it did not go over well. In fact, uh, relatively um, shortly thereafter, uh, you would see more troops coming into Massachusetts, and ultimately the Battle of Lexington and Concord would take place in April the following year. So things did not go over too well. Uh, the king kind of ignores the list of grievances that the First Continental Congress sends, um, and ultimately uh, war breaks out. Yeah. Now you mentioned Patrick Henry. Um, what other famous names that we might recognize were there? Well, ultimately, there were 14 delegates at the First Continental Congress that would go on to sign the Declaration of Independence uh, a little bit more, uh, a little bit less than, well, a little bit more than a year later in 1776. Be names like um, Caesar Rodney of Delaware. Um, you would get uh, William Floyd uh, of um, New York. You would get John Adams and Sam Adams mm -hmm. uh, of Massachusetts. Richard Henry Lee of Virginia. Those are probably some of the more uh, famous names that would become the signers. George Washington was also there, but most people don't realize this. George Washington did not sign the Declaration of Independence, although he was there for the Second Continental Congress. He's appointed to be the commander-in-chief, and he goes off to fight the war. But he's also there uh, at the First Continental Congress. So it's really the first time that these men put names, put faces to the names. They were familiar with each other through mm -hmm. writings and from news stories, but they had never met each other. So it's really one of the first times that they all came together to actually meet face to face. Sure. Was anyone really in charge of the Continental Congress? Well, yes. Uh, the colonies would have been in charge. They were responsible for who was picked to go. But ultimately, once they got here and they started meeting, the delegates decided to elect a president, mm -hmm. uh, the president of Congress, uh, as uh, sometimes uh, it was called. Uh, and the president that they picked was a gentleman of Virginia. His name was Peyton Randolph. Oh, mm -hmm. So Peyton Randolph was, if we had to compare it to our government today under the Constitution, they almost would be equal to the role of the Speaker of the House. Because there wasn't a two parts of Congress, a House of Representatives and a Senate. It was just one Congress, just the delegates meeting together. So they had their president that oversaw uh, the sessions each day. Okay. So this wasn't something that was, you know, held in secret. Um, this was an organized event that they held to to work it, on yes, moving it, forward. It, 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 I, I wouldn't say that it was specifically secret, but they certainly didn't want to tell everybody. Um, you know, things were relatively peaceful at that point. 
especially outside of Massachusetts, but it's not something that they necessarily would have been advertising to the British. Okay. Yeah, it's important to remember that you know, quite a few people living in the colonies still wanted to remain loyal. Very much so. And that would remain, um, for the most part, until Thomas Paine puts out uh, his famous packet in January of 1776, uh, and that was called Common Sense, and it was printed actually just not even a half a block from where I'm sitting right now uh, here in Philadelphia. Interesting. Yeah, we're going to be talking about that, too, about how important um, words were and language in... The, the written word, especially back then, you know, there's no cell phones, there's no internet, mm-hmm. there's no vlogs or blogs of any sort, no email. Uh, the written word was highly important. Um, letters, but also the printing press uh, was very important to spread news uh, as fast as possible. Absolutely. Um, are there any any interesting stories maybe that aren't so well known that, that the kids would find interesting from the First Continental Congress? From the, from the first Continental Congress, uh, you know, from the sessions themselves, no. I, I, there's not a, a whole lot of, uh, like, trivia questions uh, from that. We see a lot of that for the second Continental Congress, the mm-hmm. signing ceremonies. Uh, in the first Continental Congress, they were all business. Um, it was to really talk about two things. Uh, what was going on in Massachusetts, their grievances, so to speak, or what they, they would have called the Declaration of Resolves, uh, and then also coming up with um, a non-importation um, resolution, meaning that the colonies would not, not purchase or import any British good. Mm. Uh, but I think probably if, if I had to pick some, some trivia, um, most people think that it's the same people involved in the First Continental Congress, the Second Continental Congress, the Constitutional Convention. They're very much made up of, uh, for the most part, different people. Uh, There are a few overlaps, like I had mentioned. There's 14 signers of the Declaration Mm -hmm. uh, at the First Continental Congress. But you also have to remember they they met very briefly for September and October, you know, just a little bit more, um, just shy of two months. Um, So they were very to the point uh, in those two months that they were here in Philadelphia. It's amazing the the history that they changed in those few weeks. Very much so. Um, you know, and probably a big part of that is what Patrick Henry said, that I'm not a Virginian, I'm an American. Because when you ask people back then, where are you from, they're not going to say the United States or what country are you from. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to say, I'm from Virginia. I'm from Pennsylvania. Uh, I'm from Massachusetts. So it's really a, a novel idea to say that you're an American uh, at that point. Uh, and we would kind of see that concept throughout the 19th century uh, leading up to the Civil War. Uh, and it's really the Civil War that settles the question, um, you know, rather than the United States are, it becomes uh, a singular the United States is. Uh, But even after the Constitutional Convention, a lot of the states still looked at themselves as, and a lot of the people looked at themselves as being from their state rather than their country. The very first time that concept came about as being an American uh, is from Patrick Henry, and that's one of the the most important things that happens at the, the First Continental Congress is that they start looking at themselves as being a lot of uh, commonality, a lot of things that 
you know, that they can all identify uh, being here in the American uh, British colonies. Yeah, that certainly, that different point of view changes everything. Yeah, and you know, I think it's pivotal when they meet here um, and they meet specifically in Philadelphia. One thing that, that uh, the kids have to remember, Philadelphia is the largest city in the American uh, British, British American colonies. Uh, upwards, we don't have the exact numbers, but upwards about 40,000 people in 1790, and that was very large. It's bigger than New York, it was bigger than Boston, bigger than Richmond. Uh, bigger than any other city. And you could find things here in Philadelphia that you could not find in any other city. Medicines, um, British styles of clothing, mm -hmm. um, all sorts of things could be here in Philadelphia that you just couldn't find anywhere else. Um, and travel was pretty rough. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's not like you, even today, if you mail a letter, it maybe takes a week to get across the country. Um, you mail a letter back then, it could take upwards of three weeks in some cases, depending on, on where that letter is going. Sure. And there were no set post office uh, that would deliver the mail to you. You would have to go either to the post office or to a local tavern to pick up your mail. So there was no door-to-door -door delivery by the post office at that time. So yeah. it's kind of hard to imagine with all the, our mo uh, modern um, amenities that we enjoy uh, in the 21st century and in the 20th century. Um, but uh, back then, life was uh, uh, very different technology-wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, the, that meeting uh, certainly changed, changed the world. It did change the world, and when they left in October of 1774, they had a, a plan to meet back in May of 1775. What they didn't realize is that war would break out at Lexington and Concord uh, in April, just before they were scheduled to meet back. Um, and ultimately, by the time that they come back, rather than use the Carpenter's Hall, uh, they now were offered the use of the Pennsylvania State House or Independence Hall, uh, as we call it today, because of what happened there in the summer of 1776. Uh, and that ultimately would be the Second Continental Congress. Oh, yep, and we'll be talking about that in another episode. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Sure, thank you for having me, and certainly encourage uh, anybody who gets close to Philadelphia to come out and uh, visit Carpenter's Hall, where the First Continental Congress met, but also stay a while and uh, enjoy Philadelphia and visit Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell and see all the other sites here that uh, we have to offer. Yes, absolutely. Travel is nice and easy today to get there. <laughs> yes, it is. Those few weeks in Philadelphia not only changed the American colonies, but changed the entire world who was inspired by them. So let's go over and talk about what we learned this week. The First Continental Congress was really short. It just took place in 1774 from early September to late October. And this was in response to those intolerable acts that we talked about last time. Representatives from the different colonies all met up in Pennsylvania because that was in the middle, easiest for everybody to get to, and it was also the biggest city. And since travel was really difficult, that was really the best spot to pick. Because it was so short, they were all business. They really had two things that they needed to figure out. The first one was what they were going to do about the way that the Crown was treating Massachusetts. And the other one 
was about non-importation. They wanted people to buy American things, not bring them in from Britain. But this is really the first time that everybody came together. Like we learned, Patrick Henry called himself an American at this conference instead of a Virginian, and that was the first time anybody had really thought of the idea of being American. And Patrick Henry wasn't the only famous person there. There were 14 people at that meeting who went on to sign the Declaration of Independence, even though there were mostly different people at the First Continental Congress, the Second Continental Congress, and even the Constitutional Congress. We've talked before about how important the idea of representation was. So each colony chose their own delegates to go up to Pennsylvania and represent them. And the man in charge of the whole thing was a Virginian named Peyton Randolph. This meeting wasn't secret, but they didn't want to make a big deal out of it either. They kept it pretty private. The idea of people getting together to discuss their rights and do something about it was almost unthinkable. And remember, there were still a lot of people that were loyal to Britain at this time. They didn't really think of themselves as Americans. They didn't try to hide it from the king, though. In fact, they even sent him a petition, giving him a chance to make things right with the American colonists. Of course, he didn't do that. So even though the delegates planned to meet back in Pennsylvania in May of 1775, something huge happened in April before they had the chance, and everything went a different direction. And we will be talking about that in our next episode. But for now, I want you to think about a few things that came up in this one. We talked about quartering soldiers, where a soldier gets to stay in your house and you have to feed them and you don't have any choice about it. Or petition, when they wrote to the king, told him the problems they were having, and asked him to fix them. The delegates were all chosen by their own colonies, so they were represented. That idea of representation is so important. And finally, they were all exercising a right to free speech that was not protected back then. They could have gotten in a lot of trouble. So when you think about things like those, be sure to keep them in mind in the future because those are going to be some pretty important things that the Founding Fathers made sure were protected for all of us. They didn't want anyone else to get into the same position in the future. And it's a pretty cool system that they set up. That's it for this episode. Can't wait to have you back next time. In the meantime, you can visit growingpatriots.com to find this episode, every episode, and things like videos and coloring pages to go along with them. You can also find a link to the Growing Patriots books. And you can find us on social media at Growing Patriots. That's our handle on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Can't wait to see you next time. Bye. They freed us all from tyranny. We stand for things we